Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Brought to you by The Practical Herbalist at www.thepracticalherbalist.com. Sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, purveyors of high-quality organic bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. Visit them at www.mountainroseherbs.com. Episode 1. On today's show, Candace and Sue will discuss strawberry from its amazing dental benefits to what makes strawberry a wealth of healing in one sweet, tasty package. Later, in Herbalism 101, we will tell you what it means when an herb has antimicrobial properties. Then, in our herbal news segment, we will cover whether or not coffee can be truly healthy. Here are your hosts from thepracticalherbalist.com, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. We're your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. Today we're going to be talking about herbal care using the humble strawberry. We've just recently published an herbal folio called the Practical Herbalist's Herbal Folio Strawberry, a wealth of healing in one sweet, tasty package, which talks about strawberry as an herb. It's not really what you think of as a common herb, is it, Sue? It certainly isn't. Everyone's familiar with it, certainly on top of strawberry shortcake. And uh, people are used to seeing the leaves and the plants, and they're just wonderful little patio plants. But to use the leaf internally or topically is something that most people just aren't aware of. And yet it's everywhere, and it's fantastic medicine. You're right. And, you know, even the strawberry itself makes a terrific medicine, and we just don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Yet it's all around us. I mean, strawberry makes an awesome garden plant for ground cover, especially in the shady areas under trees. It thrives. That's very true. And children recognize it. Yep. It's easy to grow. You can grow it in a pot if you only have a a little apartment. Uh, I've known people that have had just the right sunny window, and they've grown it as an indoor plant. And it's just a very cheerful, simple plant for anyone to start with. And if you're the kind of person that likes to wildcraft, what better plant to start with than strawberry? It's so easy to identify. I don't even know of any other plant that looks like it, except another type of strawberry. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And you know, one of the things that I found really interesting about strawberry was that it's got one particular use I would never have considered it for. And that's dental care. Indeed, yeah. Both the fruit and the leaf are good for dental care. That's right. Let's start with the fruit. What was it about the fruit that's particularly useful? Well, all of every plant has distinctive pieces in it that make it unique. And for strawberry, it has something called malic acid. And actually, malic acid is something that you'll find in a lot of different fruits. It's what you see in an unripe fruit or in something that uh, looks unripe, like green grapes or green apple. But for strawberry, even as it ripens and some of those acids turn into the sweet taste that we're used to, the malic acid tends to linger, giving it that sweet tart taste that we so love in strawberries. So for that particular constituent, um, and a constituent is just a plant part, dentists take malic acid and they use it to clean your teeth just before putting a filling in a cavity. Now, that is something that you don't have to go to the dentist for to get. You can just get it at your grocery store. And you had a recipe, didn't you, for... Um, yeah, we've used. I've used raw strawberries, nice, fresh, ripe strawberries, just from the grocery because mm-hmm. I'm kind of practical and lazy in that way. And I happen to have sage growing in my garden, so I grabbed a few leaves of that and squished that up and you know, chopped the sage up really good, turned it into sort of a paste with the strawberry, added some, I think it was baking soda, 
yeah, yeah. baking soda. I added some baking soda to that and pasted it on my teeth because I drink a lot of tea, so I get those lovely tea stains on my teeth. Mm-hmm. And at that particular time, we didn't have any health insurance, and I had just moved to the area we were living in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have my own family dentist either, so I did that to kind of whiten my teeth. And it worked fairly well, although it tasted pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> But it did work. And, and since then, I've used the strawberry as I'm eating them. My husband doesn't necessarily enjoy watching me do it. But mm-hmm. I take the strawberries and I just scrub my teeth right there with them. Yeah. And when you're done with it, I've I've just used strawberry itself just to scrub. Like after I eat the strawberry, then I'll take the end that's attached to the leaf and use that as the yeah. scrubber part. And I know it does look kind of funny, but you can feel the tingle on your gums and your teeth themselves feel nice and squeaky clean. And the other option is going to a dentist that in our town, particularly right now after the ACA has just kicked in, finding a dentist, extremely difficult. They're all very, very busy. And I'd never advocate not going to the dentist if you had an infection or a, a cavity, but something to tide you over, because you know you always get a dental infection Friday after the dentist is closed. Oh, exactly. Every single time without fail. When would you get it? (laughs) Monday morning. No, 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 no. No. That's not the way things work. So just something to tide you over. That that seems like it's a really nice way of handling it. Right. Right. So beyond the strawberry fruit, there's also the strawberry leaf that you can use. Yeah. How do you use strawberry leaf as, and why does it work for dental care? Well, there's... uh, Uh, In your mouth, there's all kinds of different bacteria, and some bacteria are particularly detrimental, and they focus on boring little holes in your teeth. And the constituents or the, uh, the particular chemicals that are inside a strawberry leaf work against that bacteria that also lives in your mouth. Now, the strawberry has to make these chemicals in their leaf in order to fight off bacteria that live in their environment. So for some certain places, there's more of what type of bacteria than another. And those same bacteria that are in the environment that the strawberry lives in is also in your mouth. So the strawberry leaf, you just take either dry or fresh, and you can turn, add that to a, add a liquid base to it. Vinegar is one of my favorites, although a lot of people really enjoy alcohol. Then you can use that as a dental rinse. And at our clinic, we will combine different types of plant matter together, strawberry or sage, like you said, or thyme. Thyme is one of the things that you find in other over-the-counter medications for dental issues. You can also add antibiotics like uh, Oregon grape, and we've used Oregon grape berry because it's certainly a lot tastier than Mm -hmm. that tangy, super, super bitter root. Uh, Myrrh is another good combination. And we give that to patients that have severe infections. If you're going to a clinic because you have a mouth ulcer, it's because you have extreme inflammation and you're in yeah. a lot of pain. Most of the people that you see at your clinic are actually people who are homeless or who may have homes but live right at the edge of poverty there. Mm-hmm. So they're people clinic. who really struggle to get even proper nutrition. Yeah. So they're going to have a lot worse dental problems than a majority of us. Yeah. And sadly, what we're seeing with just people that are housed as well as people that are unhoused is a lot of people right now in our economy are having to work two jobs. 
and they aren't able to spend as much time with their family or cooking really good food. So they're eating fast food, they're eating stuff that is high carbs, that's really easy to get some good energy in them really fast. Unfortunately, you're seeing it, that kind of neglect on their bodies and particularly in their mouth. Sure, all those carbohydrates and the fats and the salts in the fast foods that we eat and many mm-hmm. of the restaurant foods that we eat convert into sugars in our bloodstream and in our bodies quickly, mm-hmm. which encourages the growth of bacteria and feeds it rather than making it a harder place for bacteria to live. Yep. And that definitely would show up in people's yeah, mouth. Yeah, salt crackers that a lot of people eat or white rice, that, that turns into sugar in your mouth. Sure. That's right there and people are using that as a a dietary staple. It's really cheap food, but it's also really harmful on the body, unfortunately, used it out of moderation. Right, so strawberry leaf is something that can be powerful for all of us, not just people who are on the edge, but all of us who are living fast-paced, busy lives, trying to get our kids to school and after-school activities, cover all our bases with work, get the dog on the walk, all Mm -hmm. of that. Very true. And strawberry leaf, just as a tea, it has a green tea-like taste. And I know we have a few recipes on our website for different ways, a a dental scrub as well as um, a strawberry leaf tea recipe with calendula for helping healing not only of the things inside of the mouth that might have some um, irritations, but also just internally in the body. There are so many wonderful things that your body needs that plants provide. We are meant to eat plants. Our our bodies are just meant to eat them. And it's fun to get a different array of different types of plants in there. And strawberries everywhere, my goodness. That's true. And you know, one of the things that's nice about the strawberry and the strawberry leaf is that children find it so attractive. It's not hard to get a little kid to eat a strawberry. Mm -hmm. You know, that in itself is really good there. And when my son was younger, he had canker sores that would come up, and we had no idea why. They stopped when he was around five or eight. Mm -hmm. But he had these canker sores. They'd occasionally show up, and some herbalist way back when had suggested to me a tincture with strawberry, lawn daisies, strawberry leaf, lawn daisies, and lemon balm. Oh, wonderful lemon balm. Yeah, so we put those three together in a tincture, and I would use just a dropper full and like four ounces of water. And since it was such a light dosage, I'd let him swallow it. So he'd swish it around the canker sore real good and swallow it. And sure enough, usually within hours, the pain would be down. And within three days, the canker sore would be gone. It wasn't hard to get him to take that medicine at all, even though he was a picky little boy. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of little kids are. Yep, they like sweets. That's what they like, and a couple different flavors like lemon, and then the just the strawberry leaf is a, a fairly bland, like I said, green tea taste. So that's not tough to get a kid to do it, or an adult. I know there are lots of kids yes. that will try different things just because their parents tell them to, but get an adult to do it. Oh, that's a totally different matter. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Do you have a hard time with that in your clinic? Sometimes we do, but. Fortunately and unfortunately, people that come to us are at the end of their rope. So, so they're willing they're to willing try, to try just about anything because a lot of times they're in fairly severe pain. We've seen, and I know I've mentioned this before, people that come into the clinic and they've got dental problems. And we have a Sunday clinic. So sure. again, it happens when the dentists and other um, medical facilities are closed. So their infection is so bad, it prevents them from turning their neck because the swelling goes all the way down their neck. And that's a oh. sign that it's getting septic into the... That's dangerous levels. Oh, very, yeah. very much. So that can go right to the heart. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's that can be very dangerous. Yeah. So, so I'm the, glad that Strawberry Leaf is able to help out, help tide them over till the next day when they can get in to see, hopefully, hopefully a dentist yeah. or doctor yeah. as necessary. One of the things that comes up in our culture frequently is the question of organic or not organic, wild crafted or not wild crafted. Mm-hmm. Now, strawberries everywhere. Mm-hmm. I've used strawberry from my garden, so it's clearly it's organic-ish. I rent a house, so I don't know who lived here before I rented. I don't know whether they were organic, but I've never used any chemicals in my garden. Right. So it's been organic as long as I've been here. Right, yeah. And I live in the city, so I've got city traffic. This is no farm in the country. I wish it were, but it's not. You know, and it's cultivated strawberries. I've used that, but is that really the best medicine? Is it worth it for most of us to go on expedition into the wilderness to find wild strawberry? Well, I definitely would say so. It's uh, when you're talking about delicate tissue, like in the mouth, um, you've got an exposed muscle, which is your tongue. It's your only exposed muscle. If you look at a pesticide, a classic pesticide under a microscope, you see it's all bristly like a hedgehog. And one of the things that some of these pesticides, herbicides, do is they tear as they go into the body system and that's how they kill. That's not something that you really want in your body in large amounts, especially when you've already got some dental issues or some open sores or it, I'm not saying that it would exasperate it, but if you have a choice of something that is just suited to heal as opposed to something that is going to be on the surface of the leaf that you're using or on the surface of the fruit that you're using. Why, why do that to yourself? Why not um, just use something that doesn't have a warning label on it? <laughs> if you look at the warning labels on fertilizers, the artificial fertilizers, on the herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, you know, they tell you to suit up, put a respirator on. Why would you have something like that? Put it purposely in your mouth, especially when you're feeling a little ill and your immune system is already suppressed. That doesn't make any sense to me. And strawberry in our area grows all over the place. It's it's just, you go to the coast and there it is on the dunes. You go to um, some of these beautiful woodlands and there's wild strawberry. And I prefer the wild strawberry to the cultivated strawberry because it's compact. You're, uh, the plant has to work harder in order to defend itself, which means it's making more of those chemicals that we use in order to heal ourselves, whereas the cultivated strawberry, it's getting a lot, a lot of water and a lot of fertilizer, and it gets huge because it can. That's mostly mostly right. water that you're using. So a wild-crafted um, pesticide, herbicide, fer- artificial fertilizer-free strawberry from the woodlands is going to give a lot more medicine than a cultivated one. But again, you use what you got because we're <laughs> practical herbalists, so we use what we got. Sure, yeah, and I think that if you're facing a life without dental care or you're facing a situation where you know you're gonna have to go quite a while before you can see a dentist, then you're gonna aim for the best medicine you can possibly get from the wild. For my son's canker sores, the strawberries out of my yard that are as organic as I can make them, those leaves worked. Yep. You know, I washed them and we don't use anything that is unnatural on mm-hmm. them. And truth be told, I probably don't water them as much as I should, so they might actually be closer to their wild cousins <laughs> than they ought to be. When you smell the wild strawberry as opposed to a cultivated strawberry, it's just 
far more fa fragrant to smell a wild strawberry. You can actually they smell, smell sweeter. The, yeah, they smell considerably sweeter. I've noticed that too. And I've noticed the leaves on wild strawberries tend to be a much darker, richer green than very even true. than my poor little strawberries in my garden. <laughs> yeah, they're just just beautiful little mm -hmm. chemical factories and, and they're our friends. Now there's a word you've used a couple times and I want to come back to it because it was one that was really hard for me to understand and really begin to make sense of and that's constituents mm -hmm. we've talked about herbalists talk about constituents all the time and it was something that was a challenge for me when i was first starting as an herbalist it was hard to even remember the word constituent let alone what all those chemicals names meant mm -hmm. why do we talk about constituents what is so important about them in understanding how to use an herb right well constituents are just chemical plant parts and different, just like different humans have different constituents in their uh, personalities, they're just different parts in their personality. For instance, you have a friend that might be really big into swimming and really enjoys going out and getting milkshakes and is very social. Another friend might be a little more um, bookish and uh, prefer quiet walks and there's just different parts or constituents to a person in a person's life. There's also different parts and chemical makeup of different plants and those distinguish that plant from another plant. If you look at the different chemical constituents in one plant, that is how a scientist will determine what family or what species the plant is. It's its signature. It's, it's something that the plant has to make as a species or as a family depending on how far back it goes to uh, help it survive and to define itself and to put itself firmly in the little environmental niche that it, that it lives in. So that helps explain why some families of herbs, like mint for instance, they tend to have certain aspects that they all kind of do. Mm -hmm. Like most mints are warming. Mm -hmm. There's a couple like lavender that aren't, but for the most part they tend to be all warming. And mm -hmm. And they all tend to have like square stems, and is that yeah, kind of explains some of that? Their chemical makeup helps define who they are. Okay. So, and that, that is kind of funny. Sometimes you, if you're a big time plant nerd, then you'll take a look at um, some of the literature, and you see, oh, this plant has changed its its uh, plant species or plant family name several different times, and that's just these scientists arguing about <laughs> whether it has more of one constituent or another and it do keeps you them busy <laughs> for um strawberry then is there any specific constituents that are the ones that we're really looking for you just mentioned the malic acid mm -hmm. and i know there's also tannins are tannins and malic acid pretty much the same thing or are they different? That's a that's a really good question. With tannins, you find tannins in green tea or anything that is astringent, something that will... The tannins are the ones that cause the body to, like the cells to shrink or right. kind of, like when you're cold and you Release just kind of... mucus and yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they kind of close constrict. down a little bit. Constrict, yes. That's the word I'm looking constrict. for. Constrict. Tannins... <sighs> are what cause body parts and cells to constrict. So if you have an inflammation and there's a lot of pus or unpleasantness in there or too much fluid, then a astringent or a tannin will go in there and it will cause constriction so that that fluid can be released. 
So that's one of the ways it decreases inflammation or takes out infection because the infection is living in little fluid base okay. and constricting it just releases. So tannins, tannins are a constituent, but astringent is an herbal property, correct? Yeah, right, right. Okay, mm -hmm. so what are some of the constituents besides molic acid that are in strawberry fruit and or leaf? Uh, well, it's got a lot of citric acid, of course. We, we know that, and it's got um, its own natural sugars, and the riper the strawberry fruit is, then the more sugar it has in it. Really, if you're using a strawberry fruit, you don't want the ripest one. You want one that's a little less ripe because it will have more of those acids before they're converted into sugar. So you're looking for the strawberries that still have a bit of their slightly tanginess. Exactly, yeah. And funny thing about malic acid is it's, a, it's also used as a flavoring. It's very tart. If you take a bite of rhubarb, well, you got a big old mouthful oh, yeah. of malic acid. You can oh, yeah. taste it, and oh my goodness, your whole body will contract because <laughs> it's just, ooh, it is so tart. And that's what the flavor tastes like. So the, originally it was isolated, that malic acid was isolated from green apples. And you see the echo of that in the species name for mollus, which is the, um, oh, sorry, the genus name for apple. Oh, okay. Yep, interesting. But that there's, is kind of interesting. Yeah, the, the leaves and the fruit have the vitamin C, and there's catkins, which you see in green tea as well, and that's that ast astringent. Um, a lot of people have done some research about catkins that are primarily, um, they're looking at green tea for that, but it's also in strawberry leaf, and they're analyzing how that affects um, cancer treatment. Uh oh okay which uh, there's there's so much uh, so many applications there's so many applications and there's there's so much research coming out I, I don't think this is the proper time to or space to oh. talk about that <laughs> we could go on for hours oh, my right goodness, there yes yeah but right there so um yeah i think that kind of explains constituents i mean it, for me i find that remembering the herbal actions kind of helps but mm -hmm. i find just really getting to know the herb and using it using it Right. is the real that's how I've really started to remember what's good what yeah. you know what for what yeah so you know some of the ways that we can use the leaf for instance in dental care would be as a tincture mm -hmm. we talked about that um, there's also uh, dental scrubs and dental rinses mm -hmm. internally you can take strawberry leaf tea if you've got uh, someone who's very sensitive and they have diarrhea if you mm -hmm. were, because, you know, again, it's an, it's an astringent, it's got the tannins in it, so it's going to cause some, all that swelling, which causes the diarrhea to decrease. Sure. So you see, you know, you're thinking about uh, perhaps a small child and adding other uh, anti-diarrhea things like a little bit of applesauce to their diet or something like that that's easy for them to tolerate. Uh, but strawberry leaf tea, you know, put what other kind of fun little thing in there. Well, and if, you know, if diarrhea is part of the thing, but their teeth could use some help, you could add the Oregon grape and the mm -hmm. Spilantes. Isn't that another one that you said you've used at the clinic quite a lot? For teeth, yeah. Spilantes is a wonderful herb, and we could do our own show completely on Spilantes. <laughs> it's so nice. It's, classically, people are numbing dental pain using clove, and that's that's pretty much what clove does is it right. numbs it sure I had, yeah i had i had a 
dry socket once, and that's what they did was packed a bunch of clove oil yes. in it. Yeah, it's so, so. Ooh, it's very effective in that way. But spilanthes causes the numbing, but it's also antiseptic. So it pulls so the infections cool. out of there. And it's another one of those classic combinations that we have at clinic, strawberry leaf with spilanthes, and oftentimes we might throw in another, like I said before, thyme or sage, something that's a little warming for that area because people need to pull some of those infections out and the antiseptic, antimicrobial properties of all of those herb combined is a really good combination. Well, and uh, you know, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about how I'm in the hormonal years where I'm seeing my gums start to get sometimes receding and other times they're getting swollen and it's all hormonal. Mm -hmm. I had this problem during pregnancy and now it is back. Yeah. And there's no pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm thinking, well, you know, I could easily make a dry tea mix with some strawberry leaf and a little bit of the spilantes to mm -hmm. help, you know, reduce the discomfort of the gums. Maybe add a little bit of comfrey leaf to uh, encourage rebuilding of the gums. Mm -hmm. And I could take that easily. And as I'm drinking my tea, I can make sure I swish it around my mouth really well. Yeah. And a lot of people have their favorite flavors that you can easily add into a tea. If you're a big oh, mint yes. person, throw that in there. The classic over-the-counter antiseptic dental rinses usually have the thyme essential oil, wintergreen essential oil, eucalyptus essential oil. Those are all classic combinations in the um, commercial blends. And one thing to remember when using something that has a lot of malic acid, like the strawberry, as we said, is rinse it afterwards because too much malic acid, and this is something any dentist will tell you, will start to take out the tooth enamel. Right. Now, if you're just using it as a rinse and then brushing your teeth and rinsing with water afterwards, that's perfect because the abrasiveness that it has on your teeth is just taking off that surface bacteria and plaque. If you leave it on there too long, it's just going to keep going. So as with everything, moderation. Yes. And when you're talking about using it as a dental rinse, are you talking about a fairly dilute amount or how much, how much, let's say I had made a tincture mm -hmm. bottle up, how much of that bottle would I be using in how much water to make this rinse? In just a little shot glass, one dropper full. Okay. Is, that's just fine. Yeah. And then um, rinsing it and keeping it in your mouth. If you have spilantes in it, for example, then keep it in your mouth and then put it on the side where the infection is. And so you start feeling that tingling and then spit it out. Okay. And then you can do the, the scrubbing with the toothbrush and the, or just a water rinse as well. Is there as much malic acid in the leaf as there is in the fruit? Is it pretty much in both or do we not know? I, I'm sure that information is available, but I, I don't know. <laughs> For some scientific person who's actually, like, figured that out. Right, right. Yes. All right. <clears throat> well, we are getting to the end of our time here, and I think it's a good time to take a break. Was there anything else you wanted to mention about strawberry with dental leaf? Or dental care with strawberry leaf? I wanted to also mention that a lot of people, although they are using strawberry for dentistry, it's just a, a nice thing to have as a snack, dried strawberry um, mm. to throw in for people that tend to have problems with vitamin C or 
or um, yeah. they have a lot of bleeding in their gums and it's oh, very sure. dried okay. it's very compact i mean you lost all of that yeah. water mass so Right. Well, throw that it, in it, with some other. If you throw that in with your tea too, it actually flavors tea quite nicely. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, I've done that a few times. But people that are having a hard time introducing fresh fruit into their diet, travelers, for example, or people that you know they're running from office to meeting, etc., having a, a dry fruit mix with those high concentrations of strawberry in it will. Uh, uh, that's an easy way to keep it in your in your body and keep you healthy. Yeah, it makes great sense too for our kids on the go. Well, oh yeah, all the soccer parents out there. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, or I think we've had a got a. I think we've got about about out of time here. So if you'd like more information on strawberries and medicine, or you'd like to find recipes using strawberry fruit or leaf, check out the Practical Herbalist website and download our folio on strawberry leaf at the practical www.thepracticalherbalist.com or look for our folios or, and other publications on Amazon. Now it's time for Herbalism 101, your opportunity to learn about the inner workings of herbalism, definitions, techniques, and other herbal nitty-gritty. If you want the dirt on herbs, send your question to realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism101. We will do our best to answer your question on a future episode of Real Herbalism Radio. Herbalists use a variety of terms to describe the properties of plants. Antimicrobial is one of them. What does it mean when an herb is antimicrobial? An antimicrobial is something that prevents the spread or kills a microbe that is in a either a body or is growing in, a, in another kind of medium. Microbe would be an example of something that you can't see with the naked eye, like a small fungus infection or a protozoa or a bacteria or a virus. Just We just generally see it as an infection accompanied by inflammation in our bodies. So antimicrobial covers a wide spectrum of ability to kill bad stuff that you don't want in your body. Most generally, and what you see in the literature is this plant is antimicrobial, and yet that doesn't mean that it will kill everything. It just means that it is, in general, it will kill some types of fungus, some types of bacteria, some types of viruses. It's a, it's just a very, very general term that might not get uh, dysentery, for example, which is a protozoa, but it could get some other type of protozoa. So when do I want to use an herb that's antimicrobial, or when am I looking for antimicrobial in the herbals that I'm planning to use? If you're not sure exactly, or you're just what kind of infection a person has, or what kind of infection you have, an antibacterial, antimicrobial, pardon me, is just a broad spectrum, one size fits all kind of treatment. It's better safe than sorry. A lot of herbalists will turn to antimicrobials when they're not exactly sure what something is. And then they'll, once they figure out exactly what the infection is caused by, they'll turn to something that's more specific. So a good example of using an antimicrobial could be you or your someone in your family, whomever has cold symptoms that are you know the typical things with some variety of maybe some flu symptoms too. Mm-hmm. So some coughing, some mucus production, maybe nausea, maybe a low grade fever, you yeah. know, Definitely what most of us would just say, oh, you know, he's got a cold or he's got a flu. Right. That would be a good time to use an antimicrobial Sure, yeah. Another thing to keep in mind is our bodies are very complex. And if you get an infection in one part, 
your body's going to react by having um, a, another infection of some kind or be open to other infections. Another part, if your immune system is suppressed, you're open to getting any kind of other infection. So antimicrobial, it's pretty safe. Garlic would be a really good example of it. And of course, earlier today, we talked about strawberry leaf, which is another example of an antimicrobial. Good, yes, strawberry leaf is an excellent antimicrobial for the damp environment of your mouth. That Indeed. can have all kinds of stuff going in there. There's just all kinds of fun happening in our mouths. <laughs> I think that covers it for antimicrobials today. in the news. Coffee. Is it healthy or not? Candace and Sue tackled this one after a recent article appeared in Men's Health this spring. This spring, Men's Health published an article on how to make your coffee truly healthy, in which they assert that black is the only truly nutritious way to take your coffee. Quote, coffee in itself is extremely nutritious. Anything you add is diminishing it. End quote. According to Dr. Peter Martin, director of Vanderbilt University Institute for Coffee Studies. From a practical herbalist perspective, is that really true? Can coffee be healthy and even herbal for modern Americans? I think what Dr. Martin is discussing is the fact that most people use their coffee as a way to turn it into a regular milkshake. They'll add a lot of sugar, a bunch of syrup, a whole lot of creamer or dairy products of any kind. And in that case, sure, I would absolutely agree with him. And that's just that's way too much sugar for an already sugar-heavy American diet. But there's plenty of other options for adding a little extra flavor into your coffee. And we were talking, Candice, about um, a couple of those options like cardamom, which is a nice digestive to add to your coffee. And cardamom would be lovely because coffee tends to agitate the stomach because it's so acidic. And coffee would tend to neutralize that a bit. And cinnamon. For people that have uh, blood sugar problems, cinnamon is a wonderful addition. What were some of the other things that we mentioned? We had spoken earlier about adding um, a little bit of burdock or a little bit of dandelion to your coffee mix. You know, just maybe making, you know, a tablespoon of dandelion or burdock powder in there along with the coffee when you're making your perk coffee. Mm -hmm. Or you could add some of the cut and sift to your coffee machine. I, I'm really lazy and I make my coffee just in a coffee maker. You know, you throw the grounds yeah. in there with your cup and, and that's it. And throwing something like that in the cut and sift form. I've thrown sure. some, some cinnamon in there when I've made it and it's come out really nice. I'm sure that the coffee expert would wrinkle their nose at that, but I thought it tasted delicious. Well, and in colonial times, they did use dandelion, burdock, chicory root as a coffee sus substitute or in part with other coffee grounds. So they got most of the coffee flavor, but they didn't spend as much money. Mm -hmm. That was their impetus then. Nowadays, the dandelion root and the burdock root would definitely help to counteract the, the adrenal chemicals that coffee, you know, it stimulates your adrenal system and gets, your, gets you into that mode. But at the same time, it's producing all these, your body's producing all these extra chemicals and the dandelion root and burdock root help to get those out and support your filtration systems, your liver and that sort of thing. Very true. And if you, once you have the coffee already made, and it's black, you could stir it or just put a vanilla bean or a cinnamon stick in there as a stirring mechanism to also give you some nice, delicious herbal healing with that and also make it a, a tasty addition to the coffee. And of course, a 
great way of dealing with allergies is adding local honey. Exactly. And that's yes. one way kind of uh, that's been traditionally used to deal with people with allergies. And of course, coffee in itself, which we mentioned on our website and the encyclopedia page on coffee, is another way of treating allergies. It, it helps drain the sinuses and it kind of speeds up the system that um, help you get over those uh, unpleasant times when the pollen is just <laughs> drifting through the air, as it does in our lovely Willamette Valley. It does, yes. And you had mentioned antioxidants. They made a point of noting that antioxidants are very high in coffee. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yes. The quote actually unnerved me a bit when I read it. Uh, coffee is number one source of antioxidants in the U.S. diet, according to a study from the University of Scranton. Coffee is our number one source of antioxidants. That That is that's terrifying to me we should be taking in other sources such as beans or berries that's where we should be getting our number one source of <laughs> antioxidants and when you look at the amount of antioxidants that are in just regular pinto beans or red beans or berries it's extremely high so you don't even have to have that much half a cup for example of the red beans have over 4,000 count antioxidants that's a lot that is a lot. That is a lot. Though most of us don't think about whether we're actually suited to drinking coffee. Some of us actually are, and it's quite beneficial. Some of us aren't maybe as well suited to it. To be using it as our primary source, whether we're suited to it or not for our antioxidants, mm -hmm. seems like, you know, we're drinking our medicine. That doesn't seem wise. Yeah, it's again, we're, we're out of balance. Moderation is the key. If you've got one or two cups of coffee a day, okay, but more than that, it's time to do a little bit of re-examination. That sounds exactly right. And it is true that coffee can be an excellent herbal medicine. Um, if you'd like to find more information about coffee, both as an herbal and as the general properties that it has, is useful around the house, take a look at the Herbal Encyclopedia page on coffee on The Practical Herbalist. That's www.thepracticalherbalist.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Herbalism Radio. Your hosts have been Candace Hunter and Susier Lubin. To find more information and recipes from today's episode, or to leave a comment or suggestion, visit us online at realherbalismradio.com. Feeling social, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thepracticalherbalist. Don't forget to look up our ebooks and herbal folios at amazon.com. Use the search terms practical herbalist. This episode of Real Herbalism Radio was sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, purveyors of high-quality organic bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. Visit them at www.mountainroseherbs.com. If you would like to be a sponsor of Real Herbalism Radio, just contact us through our website at realherbalismradio.com contact. Till next time, this has been Patrick with Real Herbalism Radio and the Practical Herbalist.com.